we are in the middle of a mini-series uh, entitled Acts, and Rich did a fantastic job kicking that off for us last week, looking at the Acts of Jesus. And if you missed that message, I'd encourage you to go to the website, thevineyardchurch.co.uk, and listen to that or watch that. And next week, the wonderful Louis, yeah, is going to be speaking on the Acts of the Church, and I'm really excited to, to hear what Louis's got for us. And so therefore, no surprises, no prizes for guessing that I am speaking and have the honor and privilege of speaking on the Holy Spirit. But before we dive into that, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page as to which Acts we are talking about. Well, clearly, we're talking about the book of Acts, but it's called Acts for a reason. It contains Acts, of course. And, you know, we've seen some of that earlier, haven't we? It's a fantastic time where the Lord was healing people. More of that, Lord. More of that, Lord. But here's a, here's a bit of a summary, a headline banner, if you like, of what Acts is about. Here it is. To save the lost. There it is. To save the lost. To restore relationship between man and God. To repair and fix the issue of sin. That's what we're talking about. It was and is a mission to rescue mankind from eternal separation from God. That is what we're talking about. Let me ask you guys a question. Here, here, who here <laughs> likes watching those Hollywood blockbuster movies, save the world kind of things? Anyone hands up? Yeah, there's a few hands going up. I love them too. I love them. In fact, Steph and I, my wife, a couple of weeks ago, we watched Interstellar. Who's seen Interstellar? Yeah, wow, well, that's quite a few hands. It's a great movie, isn't it? And if you haven't seen it, do not fear. No spoiler alerts from me. <laughs> but you'll get, you'll get more from the trailer, don't worry. Suffice it to say, it is about a man on a mission to rescue mankind. Yeah, it's a great movie. But what is it about these movies and these stories of men and women triumphing over adversity and, and doing stuff that we kind of find we're drawn into? I think it's because deep down we were created to be part of something bigger than ourselves. There's something in us that, that wants to triumph, that wants to win over adversity, don't you think? You know, I was listening to uh, Jay Pathak um, I was speaking at the Vineyard National Leaders Conference at the start of the year, and he said this, and I love this line. He said, it turns out what makes for a great movie makes for a great life. <laughs> Think about it. I kind of like that. It turns out what makes for a great movie makes for a great life. If you were to watch a movie and you got to the, tr got to the credits at the end of the three hours and all you've seen is some guy and his wife, maybe with some kids just doing their, their job, and then... You know, he kind of retires and gets a watch, and then the credits fade, and you see him driving his car. You'd be like, oh, man, I need to get my money back. That was not a good movie. It turns out what makes for a great movie it makes for a great life. Well, here's the thing. God's rescue mission is of such supreme and eternal consequences, such huge scale and proportion that it makes a Hollywood blockbuster pale in comparison. Yeah. God's mission is a mission which transcends time and space, a mission which we find we are caught up in, we are part of. Yes, even this morning, here in little old St. Albans. You see, this mission is being played out 
by you and you and you and you and you and you and me. We find that we are the cast of God's cosmic blockbuster. We are. That's the truth of it. But here's the question. How on earth does he use us? How is it that little old me and little old you, no offense, (laughs) can be used by God in this cosmic blockbuster? How is it that we can be leading men and women of this rescue mission? And that is the question that we are going to answer this morning. And so with that setting of the scene, with that trailer, (laughs) let us pray and we'll find out the answer. Lord, I want to thank you that we are the cast of your amazing cosmic blockbuster, that you have caught us up and said, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. I want to thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the honor that that is. And Lord, I pray this morning you would open our hearts afresh and anew to receive your word, knowing that it bears fruit, knowing that it does not return to you void, but accomplishes that which is set forth to do. Lord, would there be power in this place this morning? Would there be signs and wonders in this place this morning? Would you come and fill your people? Come, Lord, and anoint me afresh to preach your word, I ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mm. You know, talking about movies, I love it when they release a prequel. You know, they've got the Star Wars trilogy. And all of a sudden they decide, wait a minute, we're not going to add to that. We'll, we'll, We'll tell the backstory. you know, we'll add them before. You know, I'm a Star Trek fan, and I loved all the movies, you know, Kirk and those guys, and Captain Jean-Luc Picard and all that stuff. And they got up to maybe 10 movies, but all of a sudden they said, wait, 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 wait. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to reboot, and we're going to look at Kirk and Spock and Bones when they were kids. Yeah, they tell the story. And, you know, when you watch those, it's not as if the movies you've watched before changed, but all of a sudden you kind of see them with a different angle and a different light, don't you? So that's why Kirk's like that. Because of that, I get it. So that's why in The Wrath of Khan, you know, that second, third movie, they did that. Because it happened here like that at the start, you see? Well, let me tell you, God's cosmic blockbuster also has a prequel. (laughs) The, The blockbuster that we see in Acts has a backstory. And it's helpful for us to, to, to visit this very briefly because it sheds a little bit of a different light on it. And we're going to take this mini detour. And the thing about a detour, by the way, is we'll get to the point in a minute. Don't worry, I'm getting there. But along the way, we're going to check out some new sites. And what is the new sites? Well, we're going to answer the question of how God uses us. But in this detour, we're going to see the question of why. Why? Why does God choose to use us, hey? And we kind of need to understand this, albeit briefly, before we can really understand the question of how. You see, something changed drastically in Acts that changed the course of history. Something else was happening before Acts, but all of a sudden we get to Acts and something changes. What changes? You see, the mission goes into a new phase. So let's get into the prequel. Come back with me into Genesis. In the beginning, God... And he created the earth, and what did he say? It was good. Isn't that the way all good movies start? You know, you're watching it. Oh, that's lovely. Everything's good. But something happened, didn't it? Something changed. Something went wrong. Adam and Eve rebelled against God, and sin came rushing into the world, didn't it? 
And at that point, God enacted his rescue mission, his phase one. And just as, as an aside, it's not like God was caught by surprise. Oh, oh no, what's happened? I didn't plan this. It's not like he had to scramble Jesus and the Holy Spirit for a conference call. Guys, we're in serious trouble. What are we going to do? No. The Trinitarian God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit always knew this was the case. They had always planned for this. And so God enacts and initiates his phase one, his rescue mission. And what is that plan? Well, we see in the prequel, in the backstory, that it's predominantly a domestic plan. What do I mean by this? God was going to create himself a specific chosen people that he was going to redeem called the nation of Israel. And if we look at the prequel, we can see it in five acts. The first is the founding of the nation of Israel in the wilderness. And then we get to the second act, which is when they take over the promised land, and it's the period of the judges. The third act of this prequel is when they establish the monarchy, you know, with Saul and David, etc., the fourth act is the, the period of the prophets, and the fifth act is the exile into Babylon. There you go. There's an overview of the prequel. And all that time, what are those acts? Who are the cast of phase one? It is the era of the superstars. That's who it is. The Moseses. <laughs> the Deborahs, the Gideons, the Esthers, the Ruths. The Saul's, the David's, the Elijah, the Elisha's, etc., etc. Men and women anointed by God to redeem his chosen people, Israel. These, in the prequel, were the leading men and women of God's cosmic blockbuster. And what we see in the prequel is it wasn't so much, in fact, about you and me, us ordinary people. We had no big part to play, really. We were the extras. It was a one-to-many model. And it carried on this way up until Jesus, but now was a time for something new. Christ's coming signaled a new phase in God's rescue mission. What was it? God's mission was now going global. It was now about the whole of mankind. It wasn't that Israel was replaced. As Paul says, we were grafted into Israel. We became his chosen people. The opportunity to be saved was for everyone. And you know what? Phase two wasn't some knee-jerk reaction to a failed phase one. This was a planned shift of gears. It was always heading in this direction. In fact, the prequel was the setup for where we are now. And that brings us to the text this morning as we continue on this mini detour to touch on the question of why. And so I'd like you to Turn, if you will, with me to Acts 1, and we're going to look at one verse this morning. <clears throat> we're going to look at Acts 1, verse 8. And as you're turning, just a, a bit of scene setting, uh, Jesus here is saying to his disciples, who's about to be ascended to the right hand of the Father to be glorified, he says, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the power from the gift that I'm sending you. And then he says to his disciples this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and what does it say? And to the ends of the earth. There it is, Jew and Gentile, domestic and international, the whole of mankind, no longer just Israel, but all of us grafted into Israel. And here's the thing, and this is where I'm getting to. 
with a new phase called for a new approach, a new cast of leading men and women to save the world. There was no more space for just extras. You were either leading men or women or you weren't part of the cast at all. You see, the old model, the era of the superstar that we saw in the prequel, could never work for the whole of mankind. It would never scale and it wasn't sustainable. What do I mean by that? Well, it wouldn't scale because of the sheer size of this rescue mission. And it wasn't sustainable because these superstars in the prequel were infallible. Christ had not come yet. The heart of man was fallen. There was no opportunity for them to be changed. And yet Christ coming signaled a change. And so in Acts, what we see is that a new cast of ordinary men and women like you and you and you and you and you and you and me are cast into this amazing blockbuster. Called to save mankind, carry on the acts of Jesus, to pour out his love and his forgiveness. Heal the wounded, bind up the brokenhearted, bring the lost home. There is the acts. But how on earth did and does God do this? And we've looked at the very brief question of why. But let us look at then at the question of how. And this verse actually poses three questions and answers those three questions. And they are this as a brief overview and we'll get into it. What do we receive to enable us to do this? That's the first question. The second question is, how do we receive it? And lastly, the question is, what is the result? Are they there? There they are. Let's look at the first question. What do we receive? Well, what does it say? You will receive power. There you go. Let's unpack that. You know, Louis next week is, is going to be unpacking for us our place in this and the church. And so I don't want to pause on this too long, but it would be remiss of me if I didn't mention this, that it starts with this, you. You, you and you, not somebody else, not someone more holy than I, not a superstar. We're not in the era of the superstars. That was a prequel. No, you and you and you and you. Jesus is addressing this to you. This is your promise. The casting director is called upon you. Let me tell you this, friends. Going to heaven is where we go when the credits roll. Think about it. But now we have a mission. We're called for this time. We're called for this purpose. You see, your faith isn't just so you avoid hell. Being saved means you have a purpose right now. You have a part to play in this great and wonderful cosmic blockbuster. It's not an option. It's not an option, guys. It's you and you and you and you. Let me move on. You will receive power. Well, of course, that implies, does it not, that we cannot do it on our own strength, on our own power. You see, it isn't about how strong or how smart you are, unlike the Hollywood movies. It isn't about our capability, it's about our availability. That's what God's looking for. You see, God uses the ordinary and makes them extraordinary. Does it not say in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, when you are weak, you are strong. Isn't this quite kind of... A bit of a relief, phew. Thank goodness it's not about me. Thank goodness I don't have to worry about how good I am or how smart I am. Thank goodness God is just looking for available people 
to make us strong. And you know what? This power is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It says that in Ephesians 1.20. Look that up. That is the power we're talking about. That same power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that is available to you and you and you and you and you and you and and me. That is the power that God is making available to us to carry out this rescue mission. We also read in verse 4 before that this power is a gift. We cannot earn it. Let me say it again. We cannot earn it. You know, someone might have told you that you're not good enough. In fact, you may have told yourself, well, God can't use me. Well, I'm sorry, friend, that is a lie from the enemy. Luke 11:13 says this. Jesus says to his disciples and us, if you then, though you are evil, know how to good, give good gifts, oh, let me say that again, know how to give good gifts to your children, I got it out eventually, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see, it is in the heart of the Father to pour out his power upon us by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, just ask me. Ask me. Does he not say elsewhere in the Bible, you do not have because you do not ask? Ask me. I want to give it to you. I want to pour it out on you. Okay, so what do we receive? We receive power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. And then that brings us on to the second question. How do we receive this power? It says this, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, that is how. You know, we need to answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, he is a person. He's part of the Trinity. He is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let me just give you a few things of the role of of the Holy Spirit. To open the eyes of the lost to their need for God. John 16, 8, 11. Write that down if you want to follow that up. You see, when you became a Christian, there was all of a sudden a realization that you had sinned against the holy God, that you were a sinner and that you needed to be saved. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. In this rescue mission that we find ourselves in, we just point the way. It's the Holy Spirit that opens the eyes of the lost. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, friends. What else? To equip us with gifts to fulfill this mission. 1 Corinthians 12 a toolbox, toolbox, if you like, of gifts that we can use, of tools that we need in this rescue mission. Healing and words of knowledge and prophecy, etc., etc., etc. Third, the Holy Spirit produces God's character in our lives. You see, we cannot do that of ourselves. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Some, I'm sure a lot of you know this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness... Self-control, these are all the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is the role of the Holy Spirit, to pour God's character into us so that we can become those leading men and women that God is calling us to be. What else? To direct our paths and our speech and more besides. So that is who we say when we talk about the Holy Spirit. He is a person, part of the Trinity. Now it says when the Holy Spirit comes on you, how does it come on us? Well, we read in Acts, don't we, that there, in the day of Pentecost, uh, the disciples were waiting for the, hope, for the gift that, that Jesus said would send the Holy Spirit, and they were waiting in the upper room, and all of a sudden, it's like tongues of fire came down. You remember that story? And all of a sudden, they start speaking in different languages. There was power in this place. 
And people are drawn to the outside and say, what's going on? I can hear my language being spoken. But you know what's interesting? It wasn't at that point that people said, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. What happens? Peter comes down. And this is, we see the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a changed man. The same man that denied Christ not so long ago for fear of death is now standing in front of thousands of people saying, you know, we're not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only six in the morning. And then he goes on to share the gospel. And we read that thousands become Christians at that point. So there is an, an, ish, an initial filling that comes upon you. But we also read in Acts that thereafter the Holy Spirit continues to fill. Acts 4, 8. In fact, in Acts 3, Peter and John are, are walking and they see a, 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 a lame a beggar. I'm know, sure you know this story. And the lame beggar asks for money. And what, and what do Peter and John say? What does Peter say? Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to thee. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And what happens? He gets up and walk. Right? Now there afterwards, that's an occasion for Peter to preach the gospel and more come to know Christ. But you see, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, do not like this. So they drag them into the Sanhedrin, which is like, you know, the courts. Say, so what are you guys doing? And then it says this, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, and it is a present tense. It means it happened at that time. And then he spoke with boldness. And then we read in Acts 4.31, after that, they go back to their brethren, and they're in the room, and they say, we need to pray for boldness. And they pray, and then it says, the Holy Spirit came upon them again and shook the room. And so you see, what we see is that there is an initial, an initial filling, and there is a continual filling, both when Peter didn't even ask for it, but then when they do ask for it. You see, the Holy Spirit comes on us at the point that we need to be equipped, and he also comes upon us when we ask him to fill us. That makes sense? Yeah? Okay, thirdly then, we've looked at first, you know, what do we receive? We receive the power of God in us, the power that raised Christ from the dead. The second thing is how do we receive it? We receive it by the person of the Holy Spirit who comes upon us and, and, and if you like, clothes us with that power. And lastly, what is the result? Well, then Jesus says this, you will be my witnesses. That is the result when the Holy Spirit comes on you. See, Christ was effective in his mission. Why? And Chris touched on this a few weeks ago. Because he only did and said what he saw the Father do and say. John 5, 19. What does that mean? Christ was the Father's witness, right? All of a sudden, in this new cast of ordinary men and women... We become witnesses for what Christ has done. That is how we are effective in our mission. How is that possible? Well, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the name of Jesus, those apostles were able to heal the sick, cast out demons, make disciples, declare the gospel. That is what we do today. You see, John 16, 26, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, the Holy Spirit will testify about me. You see, when the Holy Spirit is in us, we start knowing more about Christ. We understand him. We love him more. We want to share him more. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. But the second way is that we are witnesses to what Christ has done for us. It says in Revelation that we overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and what? The word of our testimony. The word of what Christ has done in my life overcomes the evil one. I used to be an addict, but God has saved me. Christ came and changed my world. 
I used to have broken relationships, but Christ has come and changed that. I used to feel hopeless and worthless, but Christ has come and changed that. And you share that to others, and you become Christ's witness. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the witnesses of Christ to save the lost. And what was the result? Well, we see in, uh, in Acts that thousands came to know Jesus, but we also know geographically it did spread out from that area into the Mediterranean. And 2,000 years later, spread to every single corner of the globe, billions and billions of people through the ages have been saved by ordinary men and women like you and you and you and you and you and you and me, filled by the power of the Holy Spirit to be Christ's witness. I want to touch on this before I end. You know, I mentioned earlier that the era of the superstar, the prequel, that that model wasn't sustainable because these superstars were infallible. And what we find in phase one, that the Holy Spirit will still work in there. We sometimes think the Holy Spirit was new from Acts onwards. No, the Holy Spirit was working in the Old Testament and oftentimes referred to as the Spirit of God. But I want to show us something. You see, in the Old Testament, when it talks about the, being, the, the Holy Spirit being on someone, the Hebrew word for on is labas, which means being on as a coat, something to cover you. But here's the thing. In phase two, listen to this, the word for on is the Greek word enduo, which actually means something different. It means to sink into. Now watch this. Unlike the prequel, unlike the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit came on someone as a coat covering over the old same self, now in phase two, the leading men and women of God are changed inside out. The power of the Holy Spirit comes in us, not just on us. We become new creations in Christ. And you see, all of a sudden, we see the question of why and how intersects at the cross of Jesus. Why? Because we have been saved. That's why we save others. It's because of the work of Jesus on the cross that we can save others. And how? Because Jesus on the cross beat death. He was victorious, and so his name, we can be victorious. That is the why. You see, the Holy Spirit can make the power available to us because of the work of Jesus on the cross. You know, we sang these wonderful songs, and we said, glorify your name. You see, the primary role of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Father through the name of Jesus. It isn't just about the signs and wonders it's about glorifying the name of Jesus. So here's the question. Are you ready for when the director calls action? Are you ready? Do you want to be available to God? Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can be leading men and women of God's great and cosmic blockbuster? Yeah. And some of you, you know, you might have asked many Years ago, and you somehow, with the business of life, you've forgotten to ask again. God is saying, ask me now. Ask me this morning. For some of you, you might be saying, well, I'm just too old. That is no reason. That is no excuse. Some of you might be saying, well, I'm not worthy. It is a gift. None of us are worthy. So do you want to receive from the Holy Spirit this morning? I'd like to invite the band up. And I want us all to stand. All of us to stand. 
And I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come to glorify the name of Jesus and to fill us. And you know the thing about receiving power? Here's the thing. You need to be receptive. Huh? No standing there like this. Well, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, don't be standing like this. Receive a gift. You open your arms, don't you? Yes, give it to me, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Come now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Yeah, the Lord is here. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Shut him up. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Just wait. He's coming. He's coming. I can see it over here. Come, Lord. Come over here. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. <laughs> now, some of you might start feeling a tingling, a heat. Well, think about this. If it's the power that raised Jesus from the dead that caused his body to come from the dead, you might feel a bit of tingling when that power comes. Come, Holy Spirit. Come in the balcony in power, Lord, I pray. Over there, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Now, listen, if you are feeling, uh, if you're feeling something, you're feeling the presence of the Lord, I want you to do something very bold and very courageous. And I want you to get out of your chairs and come to the front. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit in power so that you can be God's leading men and women, come, come on. The Holy Spirit is going to come and bless you. Do not be fearful. Do not look at other people. This gift is for you and you and you and you. Come forward and the ministry team are just going to bless what the Lord is doing. Come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Yes, come. Can you feel that presence? Thank you, Jesus. Come and glorify the name of Jesus in this place. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, more. More, Lord. More, Lord. Ministry team, just fan out over here. Come over here. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> God is making you extraordinary. Come, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. And if you're in the pews, I want you to just be praying. If you're in the balcony, distance shouldn't stop you. Come down and receive if you want the Holy Spirit. Come down. Make that public declaration, a symbolic act of saying, yes, Lord. If you feel you're too old, that's no excuse. Come. Holy Spirit wants to fill you. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, wonderful, 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 wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. There's healing going on over here. Come, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Feel your people. Feel your people. If you're in your pews and you're in your seats and you're wondering what's going on, this is the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of God coming by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. More of you, Lord. More of you, Lord. Come, Lord. Shut up, Abba. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I feel like there's a lady on my right over in that direction suffering from depression. She's standing up at the moment. The Lord is saying he wants to release you of that. And so in the name of Jesus, be released from that depression. I command it to go in the name of Jesus. The lies of the enemy that have bound you up, I break in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. If that's you, I want you to come forward at some point and receive a blessing from the ministry team, from God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. More of you, Lord. More of you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. More of you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, this is a weird word of knowledge, but I feel like there's a man with red socks. There's a man with red socks that is feeling nervous and he doesn't want to be used by God. Lord is saying to you, son, I have it all for you. If you're a man with red socks, God is calling you out very specifically. Don't miss this opportunity. Come to the front. Come to the front if that's you. If you've got red socks, you're a man with red socks, you come forward. There's some people checking their socks. Good. If you've got red ones, you come forward. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. This is wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Bless you. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. More of you, Jesus. More of you, Jesus. Sharamababaki alamai. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Mm, it's wonderful seeing the Lord minister to everyone here. Wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come, bring your healing power upon your people, Lord. And listen, if this morning you have yet to know the Lord, you have yet to say yes to Jesus, and you're looking out here and saying, there is something in me that is drawn. There's something that, wants, that I feel like I want to be part of this cosmic blockbuster. If that's you, do not leave this place without saying yes to Jesus. If that is you, get out of your chair and come forward and be prayed for. A ministry team member would love to pray for you to, to, to be saved, to experience the love of the Father. Thank you, Jesus. If that's you, come forward. Don't miss this opportunity to be blessed by God, to come into his arms and to be saved from eternal separation from God because that is what we're talking about here. Come into his eternal arms. Come this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, King. You alone are holy. You alone are worthy, God. Wonderful, Lord. Wonderful, Lord. Bless you. And um, I'm going to uh, read out some words that the ministry team had before the service. We talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. One of them is words of knowledge. 
And so by the power of the Holy Spirit, the team have received these words. If these resonate with you that I read out for physical healing, come to the front, my right, your left, and there'll be people to pray for you. Someone with painful knees. Someone with headaches. Someone with a brain tumor. If that's you, be healed in the name of Jesus. Come forward and be prayed for. Someone with just exhaustion. Someone with a cut in the mouth or problems with the mouth um, or gum. If that's you, come forward and be prayed for. Painful joints, arms and hands. If that's you, be healed in Jesus' name. Come forward. Someone says here with a cup of sadness that won't go away. If that cup of sadness is over you, we just break that over you in Jesus' name. Come forward and be prayed for. Pain in the left hip. Someone with an eating disorder. Someone with an itchy scalp. Someone with ringing in their ears. If that's you, come my right, your left, be prayed for. And it says here that God wants to heal eyes this morning. If you have an eye condition, come to my right, your left, and be prayed for. Come. Thank you, Lord. We're going to continue ministering to people. But I'm going to formally wrap up this meeting with a prayer of blessing. But I want us to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing. So if, if you want to leave, then please do so quietly out those doors and have your conversations outside. Let's just honor what the Lord is doing with these people here. There's no rush to leave. Okay? But if you want to leave, bless you. Please do. And so let me end with a blessing. Would the Lord bless you and keep you? Will the Lord make his face continue to shine upon you and be gracious towards you? Will the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord.